everyone. Welcome to uh, your Amigos Ask OGU podcast. Tom and I are here with Niraj Agarwal, a uh, friend of the show, friend of the meeting, who has some, uh, I would call it exciting and unexpected data about cabozantinib and atezolizumab from a large randomized trial, a contact O2 study. So Niraj, welcome. Thanks again for your time. Why don't we start a little bit about the background? Cabo single agent has some data, didn't ultimately turn out um, to, to improve survival, so it wasn't pursued, but now we're a combination. There's also an immune therapy component, which has struggled in prostate. So maybe let's start with sort of the, the biologic and clinical background of the trial, and then we'll dive into results. Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. So cabozantinib is a, as you know, all of us know, is a multi-targeted tyrosine kinase inhibitor. And it did show radiographic PFS and OS benefit in a subgroup of patients with visceral metastasis in the phase three COMET-1 study, which included patients with preprint refractory metastatic CRPC. And it was a late stage uh, population. And uh, overall the study was negative. But if you just look at the visceral patient with visceral metastasis, both RPFS and OS was positive. And then moving forward to 2020, when the study started enrolling, we also had established that cabozantinib promotes an immunopermissive environment and may enhance responses to ICIs, immune checkpoint inhibitors, as we have seen with uh, other conditions like metastatic RCC. And then so, uh, Monty Paul, Neeraj, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm going to interrupt already. I'm going to yeah. take the role of Tom and interrupt you. So, so Comet 1 showed that RPFS benefit, right? Overall population, yes. Overall, right. And and now we have plenty of regimens that we say RPFS is a good endpoint and, and we should approve drugs. So was it was just the feeling different then? I mean, I know we can talk about the visceral subset, but just even the overall results, right? There was there was some benefit, but it was never pursued because there was no OS. At that time, at that point of time, it was about 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, Brian. And uh, overall survival was the primary endpoint. We did not mm -hmm. have RPFS as a co-primary endpoint. And I, I think that's why it was uh, not approved at that time. And yeah. Niraj, the PFS was, was 0.48. So the PFS for single agent CABO versus prognisolone at 0.48. In terms of prostate cancer, that was quite, you know, I remember, look, I mean, what do I know? Going back in the day. <laughs> Good question. I remember the bone scans all appearing to, to normalize. I remember the excitement around cabozatinib and the expectations were so high that, you know, when these results came out and there was no OS, everyone thought, oh my goodness, what happened there? Where, where actually the response rate was about 40% was for single agent cabozatinib and the PFS was uh, is zero against prednisolone, but it's a six month PFS. So the single agent cabo data is actually quite good, isn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, it did uh, show that benefit. So 6.6-month .6 PFS versus 2.8 for prednisolone, and we got a response rate of 42%. Yeah. And it did raise the question among the regulatory bodies if cabozantinib may have uh, artifactual effect on the bone scans. And was that leading to improved RPFS and which was not translating into OS benefits. And that was I one see. reason. And that was one reason we 
did not pursue the contact two trial with patients who only have bone scan positive disease. And that's why the design is so different in contact two trial that it had to have patients with extra pelvic measurable disease, a patient population highly enriched for poor prognosis subgroups. And we will discuss that in a moment. Okay. And, and so that's you're gonna, why- You've got to run that by me again. So just why are these, because we, we chatted about this at our Euramigos meeting, because I can remember there was uh, a discussion around these results and people were anxious about the, 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 the endpoints and bits and pieces. And you came to me and said, God, I wish I'd jumped up on and, and, and said something. And because and, and you, you said to me, the populations are so different. So for the audience, just to, just rehearse for me the, the original Comet trial and then the contact trial and the populations and why they're different. Yeah. So the Comet one population was, uh, and of course, I would love to spend more time on contact too. But Comet, <laughs> you, so, you might have about yeah. thirty seconds at the end. Yeah. So Comet one population was post chemo, post NHT patient population, did not get enriched for patients with visceral metastasis or soft tissue disease. It was all comer patient population, and uh, uh, bone scan uh, or patients with bone metastasis uh, dominated that uh, population. Uh, contact but, you've, two, but you've got eighty yeah. percent in your study. You've got eighty-one percent of patients in the experimental arm had bone mats. Yeah, I mean that is expected. Uh, but this so, but that's not a spectacularly yeah. different patient population. That's eighty percent versus one hundred percent. That's a modest difference. It's not yeah, like but, one has bone mats, the other's no bone mats. Yeah, the difference is Tom. Great question. The difference is forty percent <laughs> patients. Forty percent patient in contact two study have visceral metastasis. And that makes this patient population so different. And I'll just take a, you know, mention something from the results, which will put things in perspective. <laughs> the, <right>. median, <laughs> the, the, the median overall survival of the control arm is 14 months in this uh, contact two study, which is similar to what we see with GBM or hepatocellular carcinoma, slightly better than metastatic pancreatic cancer. On the other side, the comet one patient population is a all comer patient population. So these are very different. I agree. Bone metastasis, the proportion of bone metastasis. Can I, can I, ask, a, yeah. can I ask one more question? Now I'll ask Brian to come in. So the, Gee, thanks. in the contact pot study, yeah. you, it was against prednisolone as a control arm, but it was much earlier with less RPs. And, yeah. and you, so it, it's not surprising the survival is different because you're much uh, you are much earlier. I mean, not all of your patients had prior, prior dose of Taxol. In fact, it was the minority. So this is a much earlier study. Yes, um, and the and control so, arm is second NHT. Yeah. So yep. the population, I think, I agree. I, I suspect the overall population have got many similarities in terms of the sites of the disease. I'm not totally bought into this one bone, the other visceral. I kind of get that a bit, but I do think you're a bit earlier, um, and that. But but I'm but I'm still not compelled by the populations being the reason why we're getting dif different results. And then we'll come to whether or not we're getting different results in a minute. Brian, what were you going to say? Well, I think, I mean, Niraj, we're giving you a hard time really just about what is the Atezo adding here, right? I mean, immune therapy doesn't have a great track record in prostate cancer. I get the theory of Cabo making Atezo work better, but I think in kidney cancer, 
we've been down that road and I'm not sure that it's really true. So it's a theory, but, but certainly not clinically proven. So why not Cabo alone or why not have a Cabo control arm? Because I see the, the meteor one in these populations as, as more similar than different. Um, I get there's different visceral and this and that, but they're not wildly different, which is, I think, was Tom's point. So I think it really comes down to, to you, know, what do we, you know, what's the contribution of components here? Yeah, uh, we will, uh, obviously we have done the trial uh, and we did not have single agent carbozantinib in this uh, phase three trial. So I cannot answer that question, like how, what would have happened if cabozantinib would, would have been there as a single arm, uh, one of the arms. Uh, but from the, if you look at the cosmic uh, trial, zero to one trial led by Monty Paul, uh, and which led to this trial, uh, it had different, many different cohorts. And we did have single agent atezolizumab, uh, no benefit at all. Uh, cabozantinib plus atezolizumab had more benefit compared to single agent cabo. And I think the ba main difference was the durability of response. If you look at the trial, the durability of response was much higher with cabozantinib plus atezolizumab. Versus but I cannot Tezo alone, you. right? Not cabo alone versus Tezo alone. Is that what you're we saying, have, Niraj? Yeah. Yeah, if we have not compared these uh, red, uh, three, right. uh, three different, uh, uh, obviously, Cabo Tizo versus Cabo versus second NHT. So I cannot really answer your question. Yeah. Uh, Niraj, but, so, uh, yeah. So my take on this, when I, when I, where I've got to this with this is that single agent Cabo has some activity, quite a good response rate, um, good PFS didn't hit OS, big disappointment, um, but clearly is going to perform from a PFS perspective, that sequencing Abby and Enza in a control arm is always going to be questionable, particularly for those people who haven't had prior dose attacks on. Many of those patients, will, people will say, well, rather than sequencing uh, NHA, they should be having chemotherapy. So the control arm is questionable. And then the third key part for me is we've done a lot of studies. So we've done Enzera, Tezo, we've done Chemo, Nevo, we've done Ipi, Nevo, we've done, I don't know, 10, we've done Alaparib plus Pembro, we've done Pembro. And the immune therapies have never really come home in this space. So I guess it's, it's going to be a tough crowd um, here because there'll be lots of people like myself in the audience who are saying, you're going to have to convince me there's something special about Cabo that doesn't work with PARP, that doesn't work with chemo, that doesn't work with Enza, that doesn't work with that. And, I, and I'm not convinced that VEGF TKI therapy is that special dance partner. I've not seen that particularly. Um, and that's why I'm anxious. <laughs> Sure, and I'm assuming you said you 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 were talking about Comet One trial when you said disappointing results. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, so we're going to. In fact, it's notable we haven't talked about your results yet. We probably should do that, shouldn't we, Brian? At some point. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you dive into uh, into your your results? Yes, so we randomized 500 plus patients, 507 patients to be precise, to cabozantinib plus atezolizumab versus second NHT. And uh, this patient population uh, had, were allowed to receive chemotherapy in uh, metastatic castration sensitive patient uh, population. 
or setting and about 25% patients uh, received that. Uh, the one big difference as far as patient population is concerned compared to other trials which have been recently reported is that 40% patients had visceral metastasis with 25, about 24, 25% patients having liver metastasis. And uh, these patients uh, basically uh, very highly, high, uh, poor, highly poor, poor prognosis group, if I would say. And, and yeah. I was just gonna say, and in a normal, a normal, if you will, CRPC trial, it's usually about half that, right? It might be a quarter have visceral meds and 10 or 15% liver, is that right? So this was sort of double a usual population? So if you look at the recently reported PSMA4 trial or um, yeah. other similar trials, we have 5% liver metastasis. I see. If you look at CAR trial, which was after docetaxel and an NHD, like third line setting, even then it was less than half of what we are seeing here as far as visceral metastasis is concerned. So this, is this was intentional. Enriched. This was intentional because of the prior subset analysis of Comet. Is that right? It, it was enriched for that intentionally. Yes, yeah. uh, because we only allowed patients with measurable extra pelvic soft tissue metastasis. That was a requirement for the study. And that's why it got enriched for, for this patient population. So the dual primary endpoints for uh, progression-free survival in the uh, a PFS ITT population, which is first 400 patients, to all, allow data to mature by the time you report. But then these were very similar uh, to overall ITT population. So I will stick to PFS and OS, which are the two. Nirosh, just before endpoints. you get there, it was yeah. about 450 patients. It wasn't a massive trial. Is that right? Uh, and 507 patients. A one to one randomization, 250 in each arm, and it was yes. castrate resistant prostate cancer. And patients um, could uh, uh, patients had to have either Abby or Enza, and then had to switch to the other drug. And some had had, or a minority, about fifty patients had had bridocetaxel. Is that about right? Overall, yes. Bridocetaxel uh, happened in twenty five percent, like twenty three percent patients in oh, metastatic okay. castration okay. sensitive prostate. So about hundred. So about hundred patients. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So if you look at the PFS, there was a 35% reduction in risk of progression or death with cabozantinib plus atezolizumab, <coughs> sorry, versus next second NHT. The median, overall, median PFS was 6.3 months versus 4.2 months. And again, I would like to uh, remind the audience that this is a very high risk patient population. If you look at the pre-specified stratification factors, liver metastasis, prior docetaxel chemotherapy, the median PFS hazard ratios were 0.43, so 57% reduction in risk of progression or death in liver metastasis patients. And hazard ratio was 0.57, so 43% reduction in risk of progression or death in patients with prior docetaxel chemotherapy. If you look at the overall survivals, uh, it is... Uh, uh, we have 49% of the target number of events. So immature overall survival. Hazard ratio is 0.79, trending in the right direction. And if you look at the subsets, uh, interim OS, obviously, in liver metastasis or prior docetaxel patients uh, or bone metastasis patients, 
uh, and please, uh, I would like to uh, remind that the bone metastasis was measured by PCWG3 as a secondary endpoint, uh, just to make sure that uh, we do have that uh, measurement available. So liver metastasis patient population, interim OS, uh, the hazard ratio is 0.60. Prior docetaxel chemotherapy patient, 0.56. Bone metastasis patient population, 0.74. And if I just talk about the liver metastasis patient population, if you look at the absolute numbers of the PFS and OS, we are talking about two months to 6.2 months for PFS and 9.8 months to 16.4 months in the, uh, uh, as far as OS is concerned. So Niroz, you've talked about yeah. the populations that have done better. You've, you know, yeah. it's a subset analysis and you've picked out the ones that have done nicely. I guess the, you know, the swings and the roundabouts of that suggest there's another population that maybe are doing less well. So if you want to go into the forest plot and pick out the winners, who were the losers in the forest plot? Yeah, these were the patients who did not have visceral metastasis, so those 60% or who didn't, I'm like, I, just to come to the point, these are the patients who didn't, who had extra pelvic lymph node metastasis only. And if I, if I look at those patient population, just by deduction, if you look at bone metastasis, prior docetaxel, liver metastasis, all seem to be doing well. So only population which we did not mention is patient with extra pelvic lymphadenopathy. And those patients do better or worse? I didn't see that in your forest plot. Yeah, we, I'm like, we are just talking about pre-specified subgroup analysis. So liver metastasis, prior and so on, yeah. So is there something I remember from the early days of immune therapy, I think there was an IPI study, I think maybe Chuck Drake was involved and it was the same thing where it was overall negative, but boy, this liver met subset seemed to do better. And this is years ago now. Is, is there something known biologically about those patients, right? I don't know, pdl one expression or whatever, biologic marker, because that seems to be a relatively consistent theme across studies. It's possible. Uh, we will be presenting the data in uh, uh, immune landscape data in uh, GEOASCO, but in my knowledge uh, so far, the liver metastasis patient population do seem to have more immunosuppressive environment. My experience so, yeah. of this is, is different from that, is that the, the liver mets patients in other tumor groups have not done as well. And certainly the Ambassador 250 trial and some of the other studies in the subset analysis, the liver met population didn't pop out. I guess one of the questions would be, is this just inevitable noise around a subset analysis of a forest plot, some of which, you know, the OS isn't yet positive. So we need to be very cautious before mm -hmm. we start. We'll always find a population that does well and we'll always find a population in the forest plot that does badly. You know, in, in every horse race, there are winners and losers, I'm afraid. Um, so is the, are we into over-interpreting this? I'm, I'm anxious about, you know, describing this liver population doing well with immune therapy because we've not seen that across the board with all of the other Pembro, Nevo and Atezo studies. I think that's what make, make this combination different. Cabozantinib, uh, we do know that cabozantinib has activity in patients with visceral metastasis from the previous trial, the COMET-1 trial, where both RPFS and OS were improved with cabo. And I think this is the combination 
which is making the difference here, not the now, immune therapy. Yeah. Now, Nimraj, the reason Brian and I are giving you a hard time is because you've got a positive trial and you're trending towards OS. And the OS is going in the right direction, 0.79. You know, it's possible. You take a couple of points off that in a final analysis, it's going to be positive. So, you know, but it is, I kind of feel it's our role to push back really hard on this. <laughs> um, and I'm going to continue to do that, if I may. <laughs> um, so, it's yeah. so it's possible that cabazatinib works really well in that liver mets population. And it's possible that actually if there were subsets and the Atezo wasn't doing anything, it comes back to that third arm. What would have happened had there been a Cavo-only arm? Do you think, you know, I guess this is your opportunity to push back on me and say, Tom, if Cavo-only had been there, it, de it wouldn't have hit OS. We didn't see that in the Comet trial. That's number one. Number two is in the Comet trial, the liver mets population didn't, you know, this is your opportunity to really push back on that Cavazatinib arm. Yeah, it's, it's possible that uh, cabozantinib would have shown similar benefit. But I think we, we are showing right now it's the cabozantinib plus atizolizumab combination, which is showing superiority over control NHT. I really cannot answer that. So I guess I have maybe the follow-up sort of big picture question is, do you think FDA will approve this combination based on these data? I can imagine sitting at an ODAC with these data and saying, well, wait a minute. You know, not so much the NHT control arm. We've debated that with Vision and PSMA4, and I, I, I think that's okay, right? I think it's maybe imperfect, but I think it's a platform to show activity of a, a drug or a regimen. But more around what we're beating you up over is this lack of Cabo monotherapy, you know, contribution of components, as they say. Do you think they're going to look at these data and say, yeah, this is strong enough? Even And let's say there's a survival benefit. Right. I mean, I, or, or, or answer it both ways with or without the survival benefit, which is trending in the right direction. Are they going to say, gee, I don't know, you know, Cabo alone clearly has activity. And maybe if Cabo alone was, if, if Comet 1 was done now, we would have said, okay, RPFS is a good endpoint and benefits patients and we don't necessarily need OS. We haven't talked about substance therapies. Niraj, can I answer hey, the question? Have for, answer the question. Well, can I answer the question or, do, or does Niraj have to do it? Can I have a go, do you think? Niraj, sure, do you want to yeah. do it? Tom, you, you have, have a go, go first. I'll have a go first. Okay. I wasn't asking you, but please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what about this, Niraj? What about, like, the Comet trial was against pregnisolone. Do you think the pregnisolone, I think that's probably a weaker control. Would you agree with that than NHA? So even sequencing NHA. Which is a better control arm? NHA is a better control arm. than. It's not a perfect control arm, but it is, I think, a better control arm. I, I would agree with that. And yes. in the... You, you know, the fact that cabazatinib by itself failed to beat prednisolone in this heavily predicted population um, with no OS signal, although they are, the PFS signal was strong, with no OS signal, with fewer subsequent therapies because it's later, does suggest cabo is not doing that much because you're going earlier and because you're going against an imperfect but probably a slightly better control arm and because you're getting similar PFS, but you're getting probably a, at the moment what looks like a better OS signal, immature, early, all the caveats of that, you could argue that these results do look better in the Comet trial, providing that OS signal ends up being positive. Do you think that OS signal being positive in the end, you know, because is that crucial? Or do you think you've got enough as it stands with those trends and arguments which I've just come up with. Yeah. 
We we can argue in many ways. I'm very happy. Comet <laughs> one is a very different patient population from contact two. As I as I mentioned, forty percent patients with visceral metastasis in contact two makes it a highly aggressive, poor prognosis patient population. And I, as I mentioned earlier during the podcast, the median survival of but the but, but Nimrod, some of your months. your patients, yeah. your, some of your patients did better. You just said just earlier that the patients that you did better had the visceral metastasis, the liver mets, not the lymph nodes. So those more aggressive patients are probably in line with the comet population. Like if you said to me, look, it's immune therapy. It works for the lymph node patients. We know immune therapy is better than lymph node patients. Lymph node only disease, hazard ratio 0.25. That's the population that wasn't in the cabozatinib study. They're completely different. But you're saying to me it's the high risk populations. And now you're saying that high risk population is the one in the COMET trial. So the bit that is driving the positive signal is that in the previous study. That's my concern. Yeah, even in Comet 1, the visceral metastasis patient population showed benefit with uh, cabozantinib for both RPFS and OS. So if Comet 1 was only focusing on visceral metastasis patient population, it would have been positive for both RPFS and OS. Just for the listeners, just quickly just describe what Comet 1 was. Comet 1 compared uh, cabozantinib uh, to patient patients with metastatic CRPC, late-line, prior chemotherapy in MCRPC setting, prior NHT, and were randomized to cabozantinib versus uh, prednisone or prednisolone. Yeah. And, uh, and that patient population was an all-comer patient population. It was not enriching for visceral metastasis. I right. would not be able to give you the exact proportion of patients with liver and lymph node and in that trial right now, but is very different from contact. I think, well, <clears throat> at least by the publication, it was about 20% with visceral mats compared to 40 in this trial. So, yeah. so twice as many, obviously, in the, in the contact trial. So, I mean, I guess, you know, to me, what it comes down to is what we've been harping on, right? What's the contribution of a Tezo here? It's certainly going to add toxicity, not a ton, but, but it's going to add toxicity, potentially serious, right, in a, in a small subset of patients. And we haven't talked about tox of this regimen. But I, I see... I see this sort of struggling from a regulatory perspective because of that question. Um, what is what? What are the contribution of components? Do you really need a doublet here, right? And and should there have been a Cabo control arm? Brian, if it hits OS zero point seven five, let's let's say yeah. what happens. What happens then? Uh, what, yeah. does, what does the FDA do then? You got uh, an OS signal. I mean, I I still think it's a discussion, but but I take your point that obviously when you have let's call it a convincing OS benefit, it's hard to ignore, right? It, 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 when Cabo alone didn't show that, right? Although a we've couple. been saying they're different. It was 10 years ago, right? I mean, we're comparing across decades now. Um, it's, it's hard to ignore, but I still think there's an issue there. A couple of my German friends came to me and said, you know, when are we going to see this published so we can start using it in Germany? You know, you probably have had the same thing, haven't you? I mean, the press release was some time ago. There's some pressure in the community to give this combination. Are you hearing that pressure? Yes. And I will tell you why this combination should be approved uh, by the regulatory bodies. First of all, we do not have anything for patients, anything which is really uh, uh, significantly or meaningfully improving uh, outcomes in our patients with visceral metastasis, for example. If even if you look at the look at the other trials, they hardly had any patients with uh, this uh, poor prognosis uh, feature. So I would ask you this question. 
if this patient this combination is available available in the clinic and you have a patient who is progressing on nht and has say liver metastasis what can be offered to that patient other than this combination chemotherapy is and again i uh, we could have discussed why we did not have chemotherapy in the control but i will not bring that up for a second even with cabazitaxel we are talking about a uh, rpfs hazard ratio of 0.79 from the car trial in that in the in the patient with visceral or liver metastasis so in this context we are we are seeing such strong signal here in this highly enriched patient population for poor prognosis uh, uh, features i think we have a argument that this combination should be approved what about because, what about yeah. lutetium what about parp inhibition what about carbazitaxel what about docetaxel for those patients who hadn't had it first are those all are they all reasonable options i would say every approved drug is a reasonable option but if you look at the number of patients with uh, say liver metastasis in uh, in recent trials all of those trials with lutetium uh 177 uh 5% that's about you haven't yeah. but liver mets is not like the FDA and the EMA is not going to come out and pull out that liver mets population i don't think you know that yeah. you didn't do a trial with the title of your study doesn't include the word liver met no um, i'm just making an argument why this should be approved because i think we have we should have the choice the discussion was are uh, physicians asking me when this will be approved answer is yes have we used cabozantinib off label in these patients i'm seeing responses answer is yes so i was answering that question question that uh, yes i would love to have this combination in the clinic so that i can use it when i want to based you know, on we're, these data. we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have to run wound this up brian i think are we Yeah, I think we've, we've we've beaten Niraj up enough about this. Niraj, we... it's been it feels like we've been in the in the boxing ring for a bit. <laughs> I've got to stop by saying this is the most I think it's the most exciting data coming out. Um I think it's the most exciting um data at Aska GU and you should be congratulated for that. I think these unexpected results um throw the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, I think there's going to be a uh um uh, Do you not use the phrase throw the cat amongst the pigeons? No, no. <laughs> you, you should use it more often. It's a fantastic <laughs> phrase, Brian. I'm not sure what it means, but okay. Well, you can imagine when you throw a cat amongst the pigeons. It's like a typhoon going through a sailing regatta. Do you use that expression? Uh no, but I understand it. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's exactly what's how that's exactly what's going to happen at Asco GU. Niraj, congratulations. Terrific work. Uh thank you, Tom. Thank you, Brian. Sure, appreciate you joining. Time. Yeah. We'll buy you a drink to make up for the the, the beating you up. <laughs> we, will, we owe you a drink, Nirvana. That's certainly true. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Cheers.